when we went into ministry, the first church we preached in was River Rock. And then now we're moving, and the last church we're preaching in is River Rock. This is the, Al change the name, Alpha and Omega Church, is what we're going to call it. Right, so we're excited about that, and that conversation went like this. I was thinking about going to L.A. and starting a church, and Marcus Wick Ministries is Pastor Rick's fault, so that's what he did. So he, he talked some sense into me, gave me some direction, actually sat down, gave me some good advice about what things were going to look like going forward, and it was really, really, really good. So how this transition started was this, uh, sharing a little bit about you, uh, with you. Sharon wanted to move. I don't want to move. I hate moving. It's horrible. In fact, right now, I'm feeling muscles in my body that I didn't realize I had. I had forgotten about. I'm like, what's that? That's a muscle. Hallelujah. And I mean, it's, it's painful. I would rather have shards of bamboo underneath my fingernails than move. I mean, it's, that, it's almost that painful. Hallelujah. But anyhow, I would rather eat Ezekiel bread than move. Hallelujah. <laughs> I mean, that's, that says a lot right there. But how, so we were going to move, and I was like, well, what do I do? You know, she's driving. I don't have a green light saying go, a desire. I don't have a red light where I, I lost my peace and God's saying don't go. I'm kind of like indifferent towards it. So I was talking to Pastor Greg uh, Moore on the phone and said, hey, Pastor Greg, what do I do about this situation? We were talking about something else. So I got one more thing we need to talk about. Sharon is driving me crazy. I said, what do we do? It's he a said mutual. This in the first hang service. on, hang on. It's okay, a hang on. Uh, if you lived in Divide, you would also want to move. Yes, yes. Amen. You're like wind. <laughs> no but offense anyhow, to anybody who lives in Divide. But anyhow, so I went there and I told Pastor Greg, what do we do here? I said, I'm indifferent. He goes, you ain't got a, a green light, Marcus. I said, nope, you ain't got a red light. I said, nope. He goes, well, that's very easy. I said, well, I, I was like, all right. He is going to give me a deep, spiritual, profound ver uh, 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 wisdom, insight. I got my pen ready. He's going to give me multiple scriptures, and I'm ready. Okay, give it to me. Do what your wife wants to do. Woo! I was Amen. like, fine. I said, we're moving. Glory to God. And that's how it happened. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> That's exactly how it happened. No. <laughs> mostly, mostly true. Now, a couple of months ago, the Lord started to tell me to meditate and to really understand what it means, the favor of God. And um, so I, I was like really trying to study, meditate, you know, get some scriptures on the favor of God and what does it look like in my life and how is that going to work? Because, you know, when you step into full-time ministry... For those of you who are thinking about that in the future, when you're stepping into starting a business, when you're stepping into starting a family, you have got to know that it's God. You've got to know that it's God, and you need counsel of people that you know trust God to speak into your life. And so we came back from our um, encounter conference that we had in March, and the first step for me was to quit my job. Marcus was already full-time in the ministry, and so I loved my job at Karis, but it was time for me, and I quit my job, and I was like, okay, God, now you've got to come through. Now you've got to show us what to do, right? And so the very, um, the very first weekend that after that decision that we went somewhere, someone, this, um, they blessed us with three times my salary. So I was Let, like... Let's put this in perspective. We got invited to go to church. They told us to come. We made this decision. There were some people there, maybe 50 people, who had a great time. God bless them. 50 people gave us an offering of 
after we made the decision. And that was just the faithfulness of God, you know, because wherever you go, we, we always go just to serve. Yeah, yeah. And to bring truth. And so that was the favor mm-hmm. of God that he showed me, you know. And so now I'm trying to think. Go ahead. Where was I going? Uh, sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, I okay. Did. So I'll tell you this very quickly because a lot of you in this service, I don't think, know us that well. And so um, we, we were supposed to move to Texas and pack our truck yesterday. Well, the day before yesterday, the moving company called us. Oh, well, they texted us and said, we've canceled your truck. Excuse me? We will not mention names, but the initials <laughs> are U-Haul. Yeah, don't use it. <laughs> Just letting you know, okay? I know, yeah. No, there's no bitterness or anger or anything like no. that. And so, and so um, you know, the whole day we're like, God, what are we going to do? We called over and over and we called places and we were like okay well the next best thing is we got to put our stuff in storage so we get got some friends we got a storage unit and um you know that's a favor of god to get a storage unit on a on a memorial day weekend right and the lady even said this she said you know if you don't use it by tuesday just text me and um you don't even have to pay for it we'll just you know we'll do it from the first so that's the favor of god right but then at about five o'clock our time um these wonderful people over here, Sandy and Joe Coffee, they're from Texas. They called and said, hey, we're coming down here and we're going to move you down to Texas. I was like, what? 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 Who does that? <laughs> yeah. So give them a big hand. So we're pa- so, And they drove yesterday morning from Texas, 710 miles. They got here, put the trailer in, and started to load things. And at 8.30 last night, they finally, all of us were like, I just get to bed, uh, yeah, you know. Yeah. But I'm telling you, that's the favor of God. And that is a gifting in people that's done with excellence. Yep. Don't ever underestimate what God tells you to do, right? And so, yeah, so we're all packed. We're ready to go. We didn't have to delay. We didn't have to. We just had to know that God provides. Amen. And, you know, I'll tell you one more thing. The Lord told me this a long time ago. If you will build for me. And if you will build for others, then I will build for you. Amen. Amen? Amen. I didn't read my scripture again, but that's good enough. Oh, that's okay. You're good. Love you. Isn't she amazing? Hallelujah. She is amazing. Hallelujah. Well, we're going to, you know, and and again, uh, you know what? We're we're building partners. We're going to really focus on partnership and product and uh, some different stuff. If you would like to partner with us, you can go to marcuswickministries.com and there's ways to partner there. And we're really going to be focusing on that. And what we're going to do is we're going to do, uh, you know, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I'm prophetic, okay? Meaning that I see things, I hear things, you know, I got vision. But you know what I hate doing? I hate doing admin, administration. <laughs> I hate it. It's, it's painful. It's like, you know, it's, it's like moving, but worse. You know what I'm saying? Sharon one time told me, she goes, well, you got to do X, Y, and Z. I said, no, no, no. I see and hear things and declare them. I don't actually do the work. That's not my, I, I just got to stay in my lane. You know what I'm saying? So uh, uh, Sharon, but anyhow, like I had my work van and I had to clean it up one time because things were getting disorganized because guys were, that I was contracting were throwing stuff in there and I didn't know where it was. So I said, I got to reorganize stuff because they're not putting it back where they found it. They're just throwing it in there. 
And uh, it was organized chaos. It went from organized chaos to just plain chaos. So I told Sharon, we got to organize my, my work van. And you know what she does? She goes, oh, my Lord, this is nice. I was like, you freak. She got excited. She pulled out tubs, duct, uh, duct tape, you know, tape, uh, masking tape to lay, put everything in containers, labeled it, organized. I was like, that's an administrator. So, and that's what we've been needing at Marcus Wick Ministries. So for the first month, she's going to go ahead and clean up some of that stuff, the loose ends, get it organized because we need to, uh, you know, together we complement each other. Amen. I'm Batman. She's Robin. Hallelujah. Probably Wonder Woman. Hallelujah. And, uh, uh, and, and, and you know what? When you get organized, you got to have, or, without organization, if you're not organized, you'll agonize. It's not good. So you need that. Hallelujah. Although there are different giftings, and I think I'm God's gift to the body of Christ, I need other people. Hallelujah. Moving right along. Turn, if you will, to Luke chapter 17. I talked about this in first service, and I'm going to talk about it uh, now. You know, years ago, when I, I graduated from uh, 2015 from Karis Bible College Ministry School, Greg Fritz came in, and he was taking questions and answers. And I asked Greg Fritz, I said, what is the number one thing that you've seen in ministry or, or, or that where people have made it and succeeded or where they have failed? And this is what he said to me. He answered the question, I mean, without hesitation, just right on it. He said, don't get bitter. And what happens is what takes more people out of life and out of what's going on and what, what's happening is people end up getting bitter. And they end up getting resentful and a root of bitterness paralyzes them and they get stuck like Chuck. And uh, that's what happens. But more importantly, what I want to do in this message is I want to talk to you a little bit about, you know, not only, you know, we, we talk about in, in Christian circles, we go through Christian lingo, right? And they tell you to forgive and you know you need to do it and you feel bad that you're dealing with bitterness or unforgiveness, but nobody tells you how to do it. I need to know what that looks like. Okay, what does that look like? And one of the jobs of a pastor in Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 16, is to feed us with knowledge and understanding. The role of a pastor is to what? Is to take the Bible and make our make our take the truths. And bring them down to a, to a level where we have a Bible. It's a gift that when the Bible goes through an office of a pastor, he gives us, or he or she gives us the ability to walk out a Bible or to live in a Bible that actually works. And what we need is we don't need Christian cliches. We got people that give answers all the time. And how's that working for you? But they don't honestly take a look at themselves and say, you know what I'm doing? It's not working. And it's not that the principle's wrong. It may be that you don't have understanding. You got knowledge of the principle, but you're not full of understanding and wisdom on how to, hallelujah, to walk it out in reality. I want to preach a message that works. And oftentimes in ministry, what people do, ministers are guilty of, is we end up preaching, <coughs> we end up preaching messages based on questions that nobody's asking. And what we got to do is we got to find out what people are really asking. And there are two things that I guarantee you I could preach on anywhere, any audience, two things. Now I got three because Rick added one to me this morning. But there's two guaranteed, bitterness and unforgiveness, one, 
and sin consciousness. And the other one is worry or fear. Those are the three things I can preach on. And today I want to talk about how to deal with bitterness and how to deal, give you a practical way of how to deal with bitterness and unforgiveness. Because you know what? It's all, we're going to happen. It's going to happen to us. We're going to have an opportunity to get offended. We're going to have an opportunity because ministry and life is what? It's the people business. And the people business is what? It's sloppy. It's messy. But it's also rewarding. Amen? Just because you're sloppy, aren't you glad? I'm glad somebody dealt with my slop and my mess. I'm not, I'm not always, I have not always been the, the, the well-oiled machine that I am today. <laughs> Hallelujah. I've had to be corrected. I had to be taught, that thing that you just did, yeah, that was dumb. Hallelujah. And I was okay with it. Because you know what? That's just part of life. You're going to be corrected. And correction, are you listening to me? Correction is not, does not come from the root of rejection. Correction comes from the root of acceptance. And see, when God corrects you, yeah, we'll come back to Luke 7. Uh, go to, go to, go to uh, Hebrews chapter 12. Let me show you this. I got to show you a new, I saw this man and I was like, this is amazing. And Hebrews chapter 12 is talking about correction. Look at verse 5. Right? Hebrews 12, 5. It says right there. And this whole chapter is talking about the correction of the Lord. And ye have forgotten the exhortation that speaketh unto you as ch unto children. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint at, at the rebuke of him. Notice, and there's another translation which says, have you forgotten the word of exhortation? You ready for this? God corrects you through words. And God corrects you through exhorting words. God corrects you by exhortation. And I guarantee you, most people don't think of the correction of the Lord as exhorting. And what does exhorting mean? It means come up higher. Come in deeper. It's, it's, it's God calling you. God corrects you through exhortation. He corrects you through words and not through sickness and disease and punishing you. He corrects, he doesn't punish. And most people are not receiving, they're having a hard time receiving correction because they receive it as punishment instead of as correction. And the reason he does, he corrects you is because you're a son, you're a daughter. You're already in the family. Amen? And the quicker you learn to realize he's the potter, he's the uh, you're the clay, and that uh, he's gonna he and the, the sooner you realize he's got your best interest in mind, and that on the other side of that correction, although it's not pleasant, it's gonna be life and more. Then then you'll you'll start welcoming it. And boy, this ain't my message, but it's gonna end up happening. Uh, but when I went to Procter and Gamble, I used to you know my, I used to have really I, I don't want to beat up on my parents, but you know what I'm saying. I I, I would. You know, they were always, you know, I had a hard time being corrected. And when I worked for Procter & Gamble, they went ahead and they, fill, they had you fill out a, an evaluation sheet. And, and, and you had to pass it out to your fellow workers. And they'd give you, give me three things that you do really well, this person does, and give me one uh, opportunity to improve. And then I was like, I'm nervous wreck. They're going to grill me. They're going to throw, they're going to eat, they're going to have barbecue today, and it's going to be barbecue Marcus. Right? 
because people are going to tell. And what happened was the coworkers, they wouldn't get together, but I, I'd find an area where they all, there was an area that I needed to work on. And I was like, that wasn't so bad. And then later on, by the time I got to the third and the fourth evaluation, I was like, tell me one thing that I do really well and give me three things that I can improve in. I was looking forward to it. You know what? Because on the, it makes me a better person. So what you got to do is you got to embrace chastisement. You got to embrace being corrected. And, and, and not fight against God. It's, you know what? It's, it's, it's your lifeline. You cannot see your blind spots. And God wants to correct you. He gives you words of exhortation. And it's like, God, come on now. And what the Lord will do when he corrects you, he'll only bring out one or two things at a time because he doesn't want to overwhelm you. Now, in your spirit, you're perfect, but your soul, you're not just spirit. You're spirit, soul, and body. And he'll bring out one time, and every time God, the difference between condemnation and conviction. Condemnation drives you away from God. Conviction is an invitation to come into God. When God convicts you about an area that needs to be changed, the power and the grace of God is available at that moment to bring change. If you'll say yes. So back to Luke chapter 17. Get to the real message. Acts chapter 17 is where I'm at, but I need to be in Luke 17. So we're talking about offenses, right? So what we got here in Luke chapter 17, verse 1, we're talking about uh, getting rid of offense and dealing with it and allowing God to correct us and allowing God to deal with us. Man, the thing is, stop being so slow and obeying God. You want God to use you more, but when God gives you a word, it takes you six months to move. I just got rebuked. The Lord said, when you were a young man, you were a wild stallion and you ran ahead of me. Now you're a mule. He said, the last three things, he told me, the last three things that I tried to get you to do, he goes, you drug your feet on them. I was like, okay. He said, pick the pace up. He said, pick it up. I was like, okay. But God, I'm really comfortable. You know what? Hallelujah. God told me to pick the pace up. Am I going to cry about it? No, I'm going to pick the pace up. Amen. But he says right here in verse 1, Then said he unto his disciples, It is impossible that offenses will come, but woe unto him through whom they come. Notice that God, Jesus, is the word of God. He's speaking the word of God. It is impossible that offenses will come. When God says something is impossible, you better check it out. God said it is impossible through Jesus. Jesus is God in the flesh. He said it's impossible to get to a place that you will never have the opportunity to be offended. Can't do it. You cannot manage offense through isolation. Disconnecting and checking out. You can't do it. So that's not the answer. So what we got to do is we can't check out. We got to realize this. Hallelujah. So it's not the offenses are going to come. It's impossible to get to a place where we're not going to have an opportunity to be offended. So guess what? We need to learn how to manage it. We need to learn how to, how to deal with offense in a biblical way, in a godly way, and not try to avoid it. If you try to avoid offenses, you're going to avoid good, healthy, strong relationship. You're going to punish the 20 people in your life because of the one idiot in your life. Don't do it. Mark Cowan wrote a book, 
And he said this, people that get out of ministry, get out of ministry because of three people. Just three people, not 100 or 200 people. Three thorns in the flesh. Three Ichabobs. You know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about. It may, it may devour your time and your energy. And then what you're doing is they're consuming, they're stop, you're so focused on the people that don't like you instead of building healthy relationships with the people that do like you. There are more people that like me than hate me. I like me. Amen. And the Lord said, you need to point to people. You need to remind yourself. Look in the mirror. I go, okay, good. He said, now tell everybody out there. Look at the people. I said, okay, I'm, I'm looking at them, God. He said, and, remind, and tell them this. I don't work for you. I don't. I work for Jesus first. Because if you're first and Jesus ain't first, you're going to put me through a meat grinder. Amen? That's why God hasn't called me to be a pastor. Hallelujah. How did you become a serial killer? I tried to pastor when I was called to be a prophet. Now I'm on Dateline. Dun, dun, dun. I don't know. They were in church one year. They just disappeared, stopped coming to church. They disappeared. Hallelujah. But anyhow, that's, that's another story. But offenses will come. You know, pastors, they get to be in charge of the insane asylum and pass out the medication. And how they do it is they go, one for you, two for me. They have to self-medicate first. Spend more time with God. Let's look at verse 2 here in Luke 17. For it is better for him that a millstone be hanged around his neck than he be cast into the sea that he should offend one of these little ones. In other words, make sure you're not the source of the offense. Try not to offend people. Hallelujah. On purpose. Don't be mean. Don't be ugly. Hallelujah. If they get offended over the truth, that's, that's, that's their problem. But don't let people get offended just because you're, you're a mean. You're right? I got a whole teaching I want to do on the, the 12 verses and about judge not least you be judged. And I told Sharon, what do they say about you as a Christian? Do they say this? Why are you so judgmental? Or do they say, why are you so nice? You have a reputation of being judgmental or being nice. Come on now. Glory to God. But he says right here, he says, take heed to yourselves. So the answer is you need to take heed to yourself, not people. You don't manage it by getting, by, by getting around a bunch of yes people. You got to take, you're the issue. In the, the only thing you can control in offense is yourself. I cannot choose how people act to me, but I can choose how I react. And I have to determine that action or that reaction before the offense. It's got to be a forethought and not an afterthought. Amen. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. If he repent, forgive him. If he trespass against thee seven times in a day and seven times in a day, turn again and say, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. And the apostles said unto him, Lord, increase our faith. We need more faith. You don't know Sister Flip a Lip and Brother Buck -a -mouth, Bucket Mouth. You don't know them. Do you know do you, that brother, Lord? Notice he said, what's so funny is, go raise the dead. Okay. 
Go heal the sick. Okay. Go preach the gospel to the ends of the world. Okay. Forgive your brother. Give me more faith. <laughs> Help me. You know what I'm saying? And hey, everybody, you know who I'm talking about. Hallelujah. You know it. We got, we got in-laws and outlaws, and this applies to the in-laws and the outlaws. Amen. Glory to God. And sometimes the in-laws and the outlaws, there's not much difference. You know what I'm saying? He said, increase our faith. And, and what he's going to do is what I'm interested in is giving you a practical way. What does this look like? How do I deal with it? Because what you're trying to do is some of you, are gonna, you're trying to ignore it. Uh, offended, offended. Okay, I'm, I'm not offended. I'm not offended. I'm not offended. Oh. Oh. And it's not working for you. You know what I'm saying? You're, you're trying to obey it in your own strength without the wisdom of God, and you don't know what that looks like. I need help. Help me. Please. Ministry would be great if it wasn't for all the people. Hallelujah. Look at verse 6. So he's going to give you, so he said, you don't need more faith. Look at this, verse 6. And he's going to give you two pictures on how to forgive. A sycamine tree and a servant. Look at verse 6. And the Lord said, if you have faith as, as a grain of mustard seed, little faith, you don't need a lot, you just need to use it, you might say unto the sycamine tree, be that plucked up by the root and, uh, and be thou planted in the sea and it shall obey you. So what he talks about here is he talks about a sycamine tree. He talks about how to use faith. Now, years ago when I read this verse, I was reading it. And when you pray in tongues, the Holy Ghost will ask you questions about what you're reading. In Mark chapter 11, talking about faith, it says, you will say unto the mountain. But here it says sycamine tree. And as I began to read this, the Holy Spirit said to me, why did I say sycamine tree here and not mountain? Because a sycamine tree has roots just like bitterness and unforgiveness has roots. Mountains don't have roots. And the subject of Luke chapter 17 is unforgiveness and bitterness, and bitterness has roots. And he's talking about something that can get plucked out of you at a heart level. In fact, what he says here, it says right here, you might say, you might say, the key to overcoming thoughts are words. You overcome word, uh, thoughts by words. And when thoughts of bitterness come against you, you've got to speak against it. In fact, that word say in the Greek is this. You will say and say and say and say again. It's not a one-time deal. What he's talking about is every time the bitterness or the offense tries to rear its ugly head, you speak to it and you quench it every time with the words out of your mouth and the faith that's in your heart. You put it out. You smother it. As many times as it punches you, you punch back. Amen? And that's what he's talking about here. So he uses a sycamine tree as, as the illustration if you will, as an example of, of uh, bitterness or unforgiveness. Now let's talk about the characteristics of a sycamine tree so we can understand that it's a perfect illustration in the Bible of a root of bitterness, unforgiveness, or offense. Number one, a sycamine tree grows and thrives in a dry and an arid climate and where there, where there is no water. Bitterness and unforgiveness grows where there is no water or no word of God. 
The word of God is your weed killer. Amen. It thrives where there's no water. Number two, the, uh, uh, the uh, sycamine tree has deep roots. Deep roots. Bitterness and unforgiveness if le- and offense, if left unchecked, will develop deep roots in your heart. Dry and every kind. Deep roots. Number two. V3. Okay, I didn't know how to do math. I got my calculator here. <laughs> Number three. Hallelujah. We got a we got a math student in here. <laughs> Hallelujah. Number three. Hallelujah. <laughs> Number three. Sycamine trees are pollinated by the stinger of a wasp. You know what the wasp, and I'm going to talk about the wasp stinger, what it is. It's the devil or your, uh, the devil coming in there and stinging your flower to pollinate the fruit that is born on a sycamine tree. Now, okay, now, now that, that's good. We'll go back to that and visit that again. Number four. <laughs> sycamine trees bear fruit that look like figs, but, they're bi- but the fruit is bitter, not sweet. It brings forth bitter fruit that looks like a fig. Number five, the fruit on a sycamine tree is eaten by poor people. Rich people don't eat it. So what do we got? The sycamine tree, bitterness and unforgiveness grows where there is no water. It thrives in a dry and arid climate. Number two, hallelujah, it has deep roots. Number three, it is pollinated by the stinger of a wasp and brings forth bitter fruit. And if you keep on eating it, it will make you spiritually poor and poverty-ish. That's the tree you're talking to. That's the, and the thing is, hallelujah, every time. So when he says this, if you might say unto the sycamine tree, what he's saying is every time the devil or the wasp tries to sting your flower, in order to pollinate it and bring forth bitter fruit. Every time he stings you, you speak and resist the stinger. You quench the fiery darts of the wicked one by speaking faith, the shield of faith. And the shield of faith is found in Isaiah chapter 54, verse 17. No weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue that shall rise up against you You shall condemn. You're going to quench it. You're going to put it out. Every time I get stung, and and the weapon of bitterness, the weapon of offense, the weapon of unforgiveness, every time that that demonic stinger tries to pollinate my flower and get me to bring forth bitter fruit, I'm going to quench it, and I'm going to condemn it, and I'm going to say, not on my watch. you got to talk your way out of this. You've got to use your mouth. You've got to speak your faith. You overcome thoughts by using words. Amen? And every day, how many people have been that way before? Let's talk about the need to say and to say again. All of a sudden, you're in this anointed praise and worship service. It's wonderful. The glory of God comes. Jeremy is more anointed than normal. Hallelujah. You know what I'm saying? 
He got he got he he spent ten hours this week praying in the Holy Ghost, so the anointing is really on him. No, I'm just kidding. Hallelujah. But what I'm saying is it's so annoying. And then during that time, God brings that person that you've had an offense with, an attitude towards. And in worship, he brings it up. And then you go like this, I'm going to lay it at the altar. The presence of God is there. You're really feeling it. Ah, glory to God. How many people are like that? I'm a Holy Ghost junkie. Amen. Andrew said, wow, I just need the word. Well, fine. You get the word. But I'm taking both. It's not either or. Why not both? I'll take the word and I'll take the glory cloud. Amen. I don't need either or. Hallelujah. What I'm saying is I can't have the glory cloud all the time. I'll never get out of my pajamas or get anything done. You know it would be that. You'd be like this. Ah. When's the last time you took a shower? I don't know. I'm just feeling the glory. But the word of God brings stability. Hallelujah. The glory cloud's got to be built on the word. Because the word of God brings stability. So what you do is you do that and you lay it down. And you go there and say, man, I've really let go of it. And then you walk out the door. And brother Bucketmouth and sister Flip-a-Lip are laughing together, having a good time at your expense. You know they got to be talking about you. What I'm saying is you can lay it down now and then walk out in the parking lot and the devil, the wasp stinger, come out and sting you right away. And what do you got to do? Say and say and say and say and say and keep speaking to it. No, I'm going to walk in the love of God. I'm going to show mercy. And even if I'm right, hallelujah, I'm going to be free. I'm not going to just be right. And that's what you do. You keep on speaking to it. And then eventually you, eventually you don't even think about it anymore. And many times what we do, the Bible says, as a talebearer is to fire, is to strife. As wood is to fire, so is a talebearer to strife. We keep stoking the unforgiveness because of the way we talk about it. We are our own talebearer, stoking the fires of unbelief. And you cannot just put yourself in neutral. You gotta say something. So instead of being a talebearer, hallelujah, and trying to feel good about it, or trying to get be justified in the way you feel. Why don't you just speak the word of God and quench it. And eventually it will diminish and lose its hold. Hallelujah. And you'll walk out free. But you got to speak the word of God. You got to speak to that sycamine tree. As many times that wasp tries to sting your flower and pollinate it and bring forth the bitter fruit, you need to speak against it in the name of Jesus. What we have here is the reason many believers are not walking in victory in the area of bitterness and unforgiveness, in the area of their healing, in the area of their finances, and we're talking about bitterness and unforgiveness, is because we got an uncommitted believer coming up against a committed devil. The devil is more committed at destroying you than you are at winning. And he wears you down instead of standing up and saying, nah, nah, I'm going to outlast the devil. No, 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 no. You are defeated. You are wiped out. Oh, my Lord, I'm dealing with sickness and disease in my body. I'm dealing with, oh, and it looks so big in your mind. It looks so big in your mind. Right now, hang on, we're going to put this in perspective. We're going to put the devil in perspective. We're going to take big devil and make him down to little, 
little tiny devil. Okay? Are you ready? Who here is born again? Let me show you a hand of born again. Look at all these people. Look around you. Lay it all. Keep your hands up. Lay it all everybody that's born again. Okay, you ready for this? When the devil had you firmly in his kingdom, when he had the strongest hold on your life, you were lost on your way to hell, a child of the devil. You heard the gospel, confessed Jesus as Lord, and broke the strongest hold that the devil ever had in your life. And you think he can't heal your body now? Fix your wallet and give you the power of God to release, hallelujah, of yourself of bitterness and unforgiveness. Put it in perspective. I was firmly in the kingdom of darkness. I was a child of the devil. I was a luster, a cusser, and a fusser. Hallelujah. I could cuss the paint off a barn in the name of Jesus. And I heard about Jesus and the devil couldn't stop me from getting saved. How in the world can he stop me now that I'm saved from being healed, being delivered, and forgiving? You couldn't stop me then and you can't stop me now. Hallelujah. Come on, little devil, little weighty devil. You just need to go to the devil sometime. Oh, that's so cute. You think, you think you're on the other side of the cross. Oh, it's so cute. But you're actually on this side of the cross where you were cast down who accused us before God day and night. And we've overcome you by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. You're not exalted. You're cast down. So what you got to do is he doesn't have the power. He doesn't have the power unless you give him permission. And you got to speak and you got to deal with it. And you got to be, you got to base your faith on your knowledge of the word of God. You walk by faith and not by sight and stop evaluating your feelings to determine whether you're bitter or not. I said it and I don't care how I feel because my feelings make a great servant but a horrible master. And I'm not going to evaluate. I'm going to operate based on what I know and not what I feel. Start talking, start evaluating your knower instead of your feeler. Your feeler is keeping you in prison. Your knower will cause you to walk out. Amen. How many people know that your, your, your emotions are not a good indication of what's going on, the way you feel? I shared this. How many people know if you lift weights and go to get in shape, get motivated? The Lord told me I was in a funk one time for a year, and the Lord said, it's not spiritual, it's physical. You're not exercising now. You're in ministry, and you're fellowshipping late at night and eating a lot of food. Ministers, when they fellowship, they eat. <laughs> Hallelujah. The word food and fellowship are synonymous. It's true. I wasn't exercising. And I've been, you know, I, I was feeling, I was in a funk. God said, you need to, I got zealous for the Lord. I'm like, all right, I'm going to do it. I got on my knees. One, two and a half, three. I could barely do 10 push-ups. And I was laying on the floor trying to push myself. And then I did 10 sets of, three sets of 10, 
three sets of 10 setups and push-ups, and I got off the floor. <laughs> and I'm like, glory to God. <laughs> Hallelujah. I have a six-pack, but I've, 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 I've insulated it in bubble wrap. <laughs> Hallelujah. But how many people know, we're talking about your feelings are not a good indication of reality. I felt like I was dying, but the reality is I'm actually getting in shape. And when you set healthy boundaries and relationships, you feel like you're going to be alone, but the reality is you're going to have the best relationships you ever had. You cannot go by what you feel. Your feelings are not a good indication to probably never an indication of reality. Your feelings are not based in reality. They're based in emotion. So when we walk by faith and not by sight, we walk by what the Word of God says and, and, and we make our feelings and our emotions agree with the Word of God. And that's what I'm saying. How many people know that if you eat two dozen boxes of Dunkin' Donuts every day, it feels good. Come on. You know what I'm saying? You ever go on a fast and during the whole fast you're thinking about the way you're going to break your fast? When I get off this fast, you're watching TV, I, I just, I'm going to take a mental break just for a minute. I don't, I don't need to be praying and in the Word so I can maximize my fasting, but I'm just going to watch a little TV. Holy cow, look at all the food commercials I never saw before. That's fine. That's fine. I'm going to go for a drive. And then you go for a drive and you can smell the individual foods from the restaurants. You get like, you know, is that Kentucky Fried Chicken? Is that a ribeye steak? Hallelujah. And then you go there. Well, how many people know if you eat a do two dozen Dunkin' Donuts, Boston cream filled, fresh, oh, glory to God. You're going to, it's going to feel good but it's not going to be good for you. Your feelings are not a good indication. You get off that fast and you get that food, you're craving, like, I love KFC. I love Colonel Sanders, original recipe. I grab that chicken after a fast, reunited, and it feels so good. I mean, I'm, not, I mean, I'm like, grease giving off. Golly. Lord, I thank you. I'm going to get to heaven and talk to Noah. Thank you for putting the chicken on the ark. Then I'm going to turn to Brother Colonel Sanders and thank you for what you did to the chicken. Hallelujah. But how your feelings, the whole point of that was that your feelings are not a good indication of reality. Turn to James chapter 1. I'm going to give you a couple more verses and we're going to quit. Look at verse 2. James 1 verse 2. And you know, I love food. I love good food. Hey, speaking of which, just in case you want to know, I'm in Texas now. You know what that means? You know what that means? Papacitas and papados. Glory to God. I love Papa. I'm going down there with Papa God and meeting Papa Do's and Papa Sita's. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, hallelujah, you don't know what you're missing. But look at verse 2. My brother, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Because of what you feel? No. Look at verse 2. Knowing this. 
You can count it all joy because you know something, not because you feel something. And when it comes to unforgiveness, you don't go, you don't evaluate the fact that the devil is telling you that, you're st- that it ain't working means it's working. The devil has a phenomenal prophetic ministry. He does. All you got to do is take what he says, reverse it, and that's the truth. It's not working. Glory to God, it's working. You'll never succeed. I'm about ready to have a breakthrough. You see what I'm saying? Whatever, he's the father of lies. Just reverse his lie and you got a prophetic word from God. So we operate based on what we know and not based on what we feel. Amen? And when you do that, see, here's what I want to say something. I, and I, just, I want to close with this. And I didn't, get, I didn't get into the servant, but I did first serve. But I want to get into this. you got to speak to the sycamine tree. Here's the thing. The law made demands, but grace gives supply. And see, like when you read that verse, like when God said, you got to forgive or your Father in heaven, which is heaven, won't forgive you, that was under the law. And you can find that in Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 18 through 20. It was the law. If you didn't forgive, you weren't going to be forgiven. But now the difference is we forgive as Christ has forgiven us. He get, we love because he first loved us. The commandment is based on the supply, the revelation of the supply and not the need. And that's why you see the apostles throughout the increase of our faith freaking out every time he asked about unforgiveness because they didn't have the ability to do it. But now the love of God has been shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost. And now we can forgive, but it's voice activated. you got to speak it. I am full of the love of God. I am full of the peace of God. I can act right. And I don't have to react. I have the ability of God. It's been tested, proven, tried. It works every time. You can crucify me and I can still walk in love because Jesus did it and that's the love I received. But when we make excuses, we got to identify with it. We got to acknowledge it. Book of Jude. Jude chapter 1. Not to get confused with Jude chapter 2. Look at verse... Uh, talking about the talking about the supply side, and what we got to do is, if you want to, you got to do it. You got to get rid of the bitterness. You got to get rid of the offense. You listen to me. I'm going to be really, I'm going to be really stern with you. You got to stop stewing on stuff for three months, six months, and a year. You got to immediately forgive. You are not doing yourself or anybody else a favor by stewing. You do not have permission to check out and to hold on to unforgiveness. You got to stop believing this thing that I need inner healing. Sorry. Haven't you already been healed? I need inner healing all the time. And then inner healing identifies with the problem instead of the answer. See, healing in Christ Inner healing deals with the answer, not the problem. That's Sigmund Freud. That's not Jesus Christ. 
The doctrine of Sigmund Freud is liberty comes from acknowledging the problem. The doctrine of Christ is liberty comes from acknowledging the answer. Sigmund Freud is lift your scars up to Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus Christ in the gospel is there is no healing in your scars. There is healing in his scars. Amen. Look at verse 21. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Now, I used to think that, you know, verse 20, building yourself, beloved, building yourselves up on the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, that you kept yourself in the love of God by praying in the Holy Ghost, and that might be true, but let's read the rest of verse 21. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Here's how you do it. Looking for the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. You keep yourself in the love of God by looking at mercy. When you are... When you are mindful of how much you've been forgiven, how much you've been, the debt that you've been forgiven, your billion dollar debt, then the five dollar debt that other people owes you gets minimized. The key to operating in mercy is remember how the love of God towards you, that you have received the love of God and now you have the ability to extend it. Amen? So what I want to say is something like this. I just want to tell you, get it, you know, forgive. Do it. Speak to it. Speak every time that wasp comes up and stings that flower to bring forth a bitter fruit and bring you into a spiritual impoverished area. You speak to it. Speak to it. Speak to it. If you allow bitterness in your heart, game over. Game over. You cannot afford the luxury. Stop dragging your feet and holding grudges for years and months about something that some grandma, I'm not saying it wasn't real. I'm just saying you have the ability in Christ to let go of it. And the devil wants to put you in a prison and rehearse and nurse it and disperse it. And just, oh, 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 holy cow. You ever been around a person like that that just talks about their problem all the time? And you're just like, man, I want to hang myself right now. <laughs> and you give them advice. And then it's like, you know, they say, I know, I know, I know. You don't know what you don't know. You need to zip your lip. You know it in your head, but you don't know it at your heart level. And the thing is, maybe, what I'm, maybe you know it, but are you doing it? And I'm not trying to condemn you. I'm just trying to tell you, God loves you. I love you. You cannot afford the luxury of bitterness and unforgiveness. You're opening up the door to the devil and giving him access to destroy, to kill, steal, and destroy. It's time to close the door. And I believe that, you know, there are many of you right now, you're dealing with it. And we all have to deal with it from time to time. You're allowed to cry. You're allowed to mourn. There is a crying of God that leads to healing. He, there is a crying in which God is involved, in which death is swallowed up in victory. And there is a crying which results in self-pity. You cry in a way to invite God to swallow death up in victory. And God will lead you and he'll feed you and he'll wipe away your tears. But you're not allowed to fall into self-pity. And I'll end with this on this message. There, one of my uh, favorite movie clips is from Wyatt Earp with Kevin Costner and Gene Hackman. Kevin Costner has a horror, he plays Wyatt Earp, and, and, and he had his wife die of an incurable disease. He fought and he gets bitter and he drinks, 
he gets bitter and offended and he drinks and he's still in horses and he's in jail because he lost his wife through an incurable disease. He had a tragic event take place. And then it's raining outside, he's in jail, and there's his dad, the lightning strikes, and there's Gene Hackman's face, and he's got his hand reaching in the jail cell. And, and, and Kevin Costner gets up and goes, Dad, Dad, what are you doing? He says, come here. He grabs a hold of his head. He said, what's wrong with you, boy? He goes, you think you're the first one that suffered loss? You think you're the first one to go through this? It's called life. That's what it's called. But we don't use tragedy and what happens in life as an excuse to destroy ourselves. And that's the, that was the line. I was like, that will preach. You think, you think you're the first one to be offended? You're the, you think you're the first one to be used and abused? And I'm not trying to minimize it but I'm trying to maximize the provision of the love of God. You think you're the first one to go through it? You think you're the, have you been shipwrecked three times? Twice, whatever. Have you been beaten by rods? Again, math, three times. Have you been stoned? I haven't had that happen. They didn't like me and they said some mean things on Facebook. That's why they got the unfollow and the block for. I'm like... Hello? They're like, where did Marcus go? Adios, amigos. I ain't got time for you. Hallelujah. You just do that. Right? You block. You don't have to listen to it. I'll answer somebody. They want to get on there and be argumentative. Block. Blockaroo. Then I feel bad later. I'm like, how do you unblock somebody? Hallelujah. You know what I'm saying? I have reflex action sometimes, you know? Hallelujah. But, uh, you know, and, and I'm just like, but what, what's going on in your life? It, it may have been bad. You may be justified. But you know what? Here's what I'm saying. With bitterness and unforgiveness, you can be right and wrong at the same time. I want to be right and right, not right and wrong. Right and, what, and being justified about what happened to you and wrong in your approach. Father God, I just thank you in the name of Jesus for this wonderful congregation. I thank you in the name of Jesus for everything that's going on. Hallelujah. I just want to, I want to give people an opportunity to respond to this. If, if that resonated in your heart and you've really been dealing with an offense that you can't get by, whether it be a divorce, a bad business deal, there's some of you, and I applied that to people, there's some of you, you've actually gotten offended at God. Because you believed God and a healing didn't take place, finances didn't come through, and it looked like you can't understand what happened, and you got offended at God, and you've lowered your expectations. There's some of you that are offended at people, and if that's you, I want you to stand to your feet right now, and I want to pray with you. you got to stand for it to work. We've all been there, done that, and got the t-shirt. Come on now. We've been there. We've done it. I'm walking through. I, I've had to walk through it. Now, what you're going to do right now in the name of Jesus, I want you to just lift your hands to God. And whoever it is in your own words, I want you to say their name. And if they're next to you, say it under your breath so they don't know, okay? <laughs> Hallelujah. Like, it was really awkward first service. Joanne stood up and said, I released Rick McFarland. I was like, right, what was that about? Hallelujah. But anyhow, but anyhow. But what I want you to do is in your own words, I want you to lift your hands to God and say, God, 
I thank you for, in your own words, I thank you for your love and your provision and for your mercy. And I release so-and-so, whoever it is, I release them. I forgive. And Father God, I'm going to start talking about this differently. I'm going to stop, I'm going to stop rehearsing it. I'm going to stop nursing it and rehearsing it and dispersing it. Every time the wasp of uh, uh, demonic opposition stings my flower to pollinate it and bring forth the bitter fruit, I'm going to speak a contrary to it. I'm going to put out those fiery darts of the wicked one. Now, Father God, now, right now say, God, I, if, if your bitterness is towards God, God, I don't understand what happened, but it really hindered my heart and my relationship towards you, and I don't understand, but Lord, I right now release any offense that I have towards you because you are a good God. And you're going to release that right now in the name of Jesus. And there's some of you right now, there is some healing taking place. There's healing taking place in your intestines. There's healing taking place in your digestive tract. Because of the bitterness, it's been tearing through your body. There's somebody right now in the name of Jesus, your joints have been swelling. Like your knees and your, your, your joints and your knee and your fingers have been swelling because of this bitterness. And right now, because you released it, you're being healed right now and made whole in the name of Jesus. That inflammation is going away and you're being set free. And right now, there's some of you, you've literally been tormented in your sleep and you haven't slept good for months because of this. And right now, God is giving sweet sleep to his beloved because he's, you're letting him in that area that you have quarantined off and he's allowed to set you free. Amen. God is your help. You don't have to be on the outside trying to get in. You are on the inside trying to get out. God is your helper. He is not opposed to you. He's not your, God is not your accuser. He is your advocate. God is on your side. So stop running away from God and run to God in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus for the releasing of divine healing divine health, that people are getting set free in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Now, I, I see a little bit differently here. You guys can sit down now. But I want to pray over another, another group of people. And what I see is I see a basket with about two or three apples in it. And I hear the Lord say, that you have sown much and reaped little. And there's some of you, you know, most believers are wonderful givers, but horrible receivers. And God is saying that your seed has come up like Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. It has come up, you're giving as a memorial before me. And it is not my will for you to sow much and reap little. And right now the Lord is saying, I want you to get your expectation up and I want you to believe me for a harvest and to call it in. You got to use your words. Have I said that? The kingdom of God is voice activated. You got to speak it. And right now, if you've sown a lot of seed and you feel like you've been reaping little and it's reflected in your bank account and in your pocketbook, I want you to stand to your feet. Right now, in the name of Jesus. Look at this. Look at this. We're going to break the spirit of poverty over you right now. And you're going to have an expectation. God 
The Bible says that Abraham believed that what God had promised, he was able to perform. You ain't got to figure it out. There's parking lots full of cars that nobody's driving. Houses that are vacant and nobody's living in. There is not a shortage of provision. There's just a shortage of you ain't got it. And right now you're going to call it in. You're going to call in your seed right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of, and I want you to agree, and I want you to speak it out of your own mouth. I call in the provision. I call in the harvest. The seeds that I have sown are not dead. And right now I have an expectancy to receive. And I want you to be... And I want you to be very deliberate. Name what you want. You need a house? Say, I need a house. I call in a house. If you need a car, I need a car. I need a job. I need some do-re-mi in the name of Jesus. I need debt to be forgiven. And I believe today, right now, that money's going to come in unexpected. Opportunities. The favor of God is going to open up doors and the provision is going to come in. Those apples on that tree, those seeds that you planted, the apples, the pears, the oranges, that, those, that seed that you put in the ground, you're putting in your combine right now of expectancy, stirring up your faith, stirring up your hope, and you're going to reap a harvest right now in the name of Jesus. Call in your harvest. Amen. And realize God is not the one resisting your prosperity. It's the enemy. God wants you to prosper. And every time you look at your pop pocketbook or whatever else, you speak the word of God. Every need is met. I am abund abundantly blessed. Let the, let the poor say he's rich and declare it out of your mouth and receive it. I am a receiver. I am a receiver. He gives seed to the sower and bread to the eater in the name of Jesus. And I believe right now, your answer is this. You are not going to budget your way out of poverty. You're going to give your way out of poverty. Increase your giving. And expect to receive and see what the Lord will do on your behalf. In Jesus' name, amen. So I was reading a devotional this morning on my way down the mountain to, to church today. And um, it's based on Colossians 2, verses 6 and 7. And Marcus is teaching us about the root of bitterness that needs to be uprooted. And every time, we know that God is a God of the great exchange. So every time we uproot something, we let him take something out. It, it roots us more in his word and in the truth of who he is. So it's that exchanging. We get more of him when we let all those other things go. And the scriptures say, in the same way you receive Jesus, our Lord and Messiah, by faith, continue your journey of faith, progressing further into your union with him. So that, that hardening that bitterness causes, when we let him uproot it, we end up getting more of him. We get a greater union with him, and our roots go deeper into the living water, the word of God. And it says your spiritual roots go deeply into his life as you are continually infused with strength, encouraged in every way, for you are established in the faith you have absorbed and enriched by your devotion to him. And so, you know, 
Grace up here was, she was just, she's just getting absorbed into her devotion to the Lord. And the joy, that joy of the Lord is, is hitting her and it's hitting us over here because it's just contagious. And when it, the very first part of the devotion, I'm not going to read it all, but it says, whatever the enemy has used against you for evil, I will use for good. I am your redeemer who sits in heaven and laughs at the enemy. And so I just want to pray that you will be able to see yourself seated in the heavenly places with the Father, laughing at the attempts of the enemy. So close your eyes. <laughs> and I just want to release the joy of the Lord as your strength, the joy of the laughter of knowing your Father is sitting there in heavenly places. He's laughing at the attempts of the enemy, and he's just going to, I want whatever situation you're facing right now, I want you to just see it, and I want you to be able to laugh at it with him and speak joy into it. And I just want you to release anything that needs to be released that's trying to come against it. And know that he is working for your good. In Jesus' name.